Want more of the Josh Scanlon podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Josh Scanlon podcast. This episode first appeared as a video on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash heritage wealth planning. I hope you find it informative. Thanks. Welcome again, my friends, to another edition of the Heritage Wealth Planning YouTube channel. Today's going to be a follow-up on the other episodes we've been talking about about Social Security. I'm linking to them there. That's why I'm doing that. This is going to be about survivor benefits, though, as opposed to what we talked about last time, uh, which is spousal benefits. And then we talked about before just taking your own benefit with PIA and AIME and all the various acronyms that go with Social Security. Survivor benefits is a whole different animal. And like the other uh, benefits that you can uh, apply for, you need to understand it. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's uh, complex. And I highly suggest you take some time to research this uh, because once you do it in this day and age, it's awful hard to go back and fix it. Uh, Social Security gives some leeway there, but that's changing all the time. So what happened was in 2015, President Obama signed this new rules on Social Security, which we talked about before. And that did change some of the uh, uh, the restrictions on uh, spousal benefits and whatnot. It didn't really have anything to do with survivor benefits, though. So just got to be clear, survivor benefits are different than spousal benefits, which are different than your own benefit. A survivor benefit simply means I die, my surviving spouse can get the greater of my benefit that I was getting at my death or her own benefit that she was getting when I died. She can get the greater of those two. She can't get more than either of those, but she can't get less. She can get the greater of both of those. And that's what a survivor benefit is. Now, unlike a spousal benefit where the spouse can get the greater of her, and I'm just using her again, and Jane, remember we talked about Jane, her benefit or 50% of her spouse's PIA, primary insurance amount, his benefit. A spousal benefit is a greater of her her benefit or 50% of her spouse's primary insurance amount. A survivor is a greater greater of her own benefit or the benefit that that the deceased spouse was getting when he died. So two completely different things there. You gotta understand the difference. Now, with that said, there is tricks of this that uh, I wasn't even aware of about survivor benefits until just about a couple of weeks ago. Well, I guess about a month or so ago. So let me move myself out of the way. On a survivor benefit, if the deceased spouse took his benefit before he hit full retirement age, there is a rule in the, the Social Security Code, which is right here that you can that I link to, that talks about the maximum a surviving spouse can get is either 82.5% of the deceased spouse's PIA, primary insurance amount, or the benefit he was getting at his death. Thus, you can't get more than the PIA as a surviving spouse, and you will not get any delayed earnings credits, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But just remember that there's caveats to survivor benefits that I wasn't aware of, and I can only imagine the vast majority of financial planners were not, 
which means the vast, vast majority of the United States population was not as well. So remember, a surviving spouse whose deceased spouse died and had taken earlier than FRA benefits, the max that person can get, that surviving spouse, is 82.5% of the deceased PIA or the or the, the benefit that that guy was getting when he died. Now, I just want to put that to a side because that's a very interesting caveat. Again, another reason to reconsider taking your survivor, taking your uh, insurance, your Social Security benefit before you hit PR, uh, FRA, full retirement age at age 66. So let's go over here and I'll show you just real quick on um, my uh, spreadsheet that we use. We talked about before about Jane and Bob, okay? And we had Jane... Uh, or Bob, we'll start with him. Bob was a retired radiologist who was making the max amount of Social Security um, taxes he paid into the max that you could, which gave him the max benefit when he hit his full retirement age. The max benefit is 2809, as we sit here today, according to the Social Security website for his PIA. Now, Bob can get more than that with what's called delayed earnings credits. And remember, delayed earnings credits, as we talked about last video, simply are. 8% increase in your PIA each and every year you delay taking your Social Security benefit above and beyond the age 66 for Bob, your full retirement age. So if Bob waits till he's 67, his PIA is 2809 times that by 1.08, he'll get that amount. Times that by 1.16 if he waits till 68, times that by 1.24, and then ultimately times it by 1.32. So Bob waits until he's 70, his PIA hasn't changed, but his benefit amount does because of delayed earnings credits. And this does not include the cost of living adjustments either, by the way. So when you add cost of living adjustments, it's even more than that. So that's Bob's delayed earnings credit amount, which is in addition to his PIA. So Bob does file for benefits at 70, he'll get 3708. Now, Jane, on the other hand, because her PIA was significantly lower because she was a working part-time at a nonprofit, and she only did that for a few years once the kids were once they were net empty nesters, Bob and Jane. Her PIA, her primary insurance amount at full retirement age, is eleven fifty-nine based on her annual or uh, average index monthly earnings, her AIME. Now, in this case, Jane would be crazy to take that. She should go instead when she hits her full retirement age of 66 and get half of her spousal benefit. Spousal benefit will be half of Bob's PIA. So her spousal benefit will be 1404. No reason to take this amount when she can take that instead. It's 300 bucks more or 250 or so. Yeah, 250. So it wouldn't make any sense to take this. She would take that. And remember, this is applicable to divorce A's as well. If you're divorced, been married more than 10 years, haven't been remarried, these same numbers apply, okay? As well as they do for uh, survivor benefits as well. But now and with Jane, because she was born before January 2nd, 1954, she can defer taking her spousal benefit or her, her she can defer, she can take her spousal benefit at 66, at full retirement age, and allow her primary insurance amount to also grow with delayed earnings credits, just like Bob's is doing. So now Jane's 70 years old. Her benefit is 1530 as opposed to 1404, as opposed to the initial FRA 
benefit amount of one eleven fifty nine. So because Bob and Jane took advantage of delayed earnings credits and some filing techniques, they were able to really maximize their benefits significantly. But that's why they're both alive. What happens when Bob goes to his greater reward? Well, again, assuming that Bob had taken his benefit after FRA, which he would have to if he's going to get this delayed earnings credit, when he dies, Jane is going to get the greater of her own benefit that she's receiving today or the amount that Bob was receiving when he died. Well, obviously, 1500 versus 3708. So Bob will die. I mean, Jane will receive the Bob's amount that he got when he died at 3708. She will lose her own benefit, but she'll step into Bob's. That's what a survivor benefit is. She loses her own, but she steps into his, which is significantly higher than what hers was to begin with. Now, she does lose that 18000 a year, but at least she has this to fall back on instead, which is a pretty significant incentive now for Bob not only not to retire and file his benefits early at 62 or 63 or so on, but to take him at least at full retirement age, but even to delay them. So let's use an example. Say Bob is not, a, is not in good shape for whatever reason. Jane is a triathlon athlete. So Jane is going to survive Bob, A, because she's a, a woman, and women survive men by a huge significant factor. So we know that Bob is going to die first, most likely. Jane's going to survive him. Well, if Bob is going to kick the bucket at, say, 72, if he were still to delay taking his benefit until 70, he's going to leave Jane with a significant retirement amount that she can now bank for the rest of her life. She will step into this when Bob dies, be it at 72, 73, but she'll get it for the rest of her life. So the issue is if Bob's not in good shape, and Jane's going to survive a long time, out-survive Bob by a significant amount of time, there's a huge incentive for Bob to delay taking his own benefit in order to provide for his surviving spouse. That's a wonderful insurance policy that a lot of people don't do because most people take their benefit at, the, at 62. Very few people wait till 66 or full retirement age, and the vast, vast, vast majority don't take it at 70. But from a surviving spouse income perspective, the best strategy would be for Bob to avoid taking his until he's until he's seven years old. So that way he'll enjoy a greater benefit while he's alive. But most importantly, when he dies, he'll leave his spouse with a significant benefit that she can't outlive that will also grow with the rate of inflation. I don't think many people do that strategy. Conversely, say Jane is not in good shape. And Bob's in good shape. Well, in this case, the only reason for Bob to defer taking Social Security is to maximize his own benefit and Jane's too. I mean, they're a couple. But at if Jane predeceases Bob, then Bob is going to be stuck with his benefit, which will go away the minute he dies. So definitely, if Jane's not doing well, the lower earning person isn't good health-wise and will predecease the higher earning person there is a different strategy that go into play here that you might want to consider. Does it make sense for Jane to defer taking her Social Security? No, because when she dies, Bob will lose everything that she has there. So if Jane's not in good health, she should probably take her benefit as early as she can, given that she thinks she's not going to survive very long. And that's a big if there. But I mean, because we don't want her taking that 62 
if there's a decent chance she's going to live to 80. But if she takes that 62 with a decent chance she's not going to survive beyond 75, then, then by all means, take it early. Because when she dies, all this over here is lost to Bob. None. So if she died before she took any benefit at all, but there's no benefit. There's no, no, Bob receives nothing from Jane's benefit. Nothing. All that just goes back into the system. If she died, let's say at 73 years old and waited until her full retirement or her take her delayed earnings credits and benefits, you know, Bob's going to, I mean, she'll have made 18000 a year for two years. That, that probably not enough incentive for Jane to delay taking Social Security at the earliest possible time. It really depends on the health of the worker and the spouse. If the health is good, you're going to live longer. There's more incentive to delay taking the benefit in order to draw the delayed earnings credits. Okay, if there's a chance that there's going to be an earlier death, it really comes down to who's the person that's going to be faced with that earlier death. If it's the lower earner, in this case, Jane, she should probably take her benefits sooner rather than later just to get some money up on the board. If it's the higher earner, well, in that case, he should probably delay even if he doesn't get the benefit much of his own earnings record by drawing on Social Security much while he's alive, but it'll leave Jane the ability to get that benefit when he dies for the rest of her life. So there's a couple contingencies there that no rule of thumb are going to address. You just got to think this through. And a lot of times you need really to get some professional advice for that. Social Security, uh, Security Administration, you know, love them. They're not going to be able to take the time and analyze this in detail. You really need to get professional advice simply because there's so much going on. And unfortunately, once you go down this road of Social Security uh, with survivor benefits, it's you can't get a do-over. You got to get it done right the first time. All right. So remember, survivor benefits, significantly different than spousal benefits. But it still is applicable to divorcees as well. And the Social Security tells us very explicitly that um, they talk about, where is it? When they talk about here something, here's the, the website, which I'll link to here. But they talk about the benefits that a widow, even a divorced widow can get. Same thing's applicable for a divorced widow as it was for a divorced spouse. Uh, I thought it was in here. Um, yeah, it's in there someplace. But the same thing's applicable where you can't have remarried and you hadn't been married more than 10 years as a divorce widow. You can still apply for benefits based on your ex-spouse's who's now deceased benefit record. Who receives benefits? Well, a widow age 60 or older, a surviving, there it is, a surviving divorce spouse under certain circumstances, which we talked about. A widow at any age who is caring for the deceased child who is under 16 or disabled. Um, an unmarried child of the deceased who is younger than 18 or up to 19 if he or she's a full-time student or age 18 or older with a disability. So there's a couple things going on with survivorship benefits that do not apply to spousal benefits. First, you can be 60 years old and apply if you're a widow, whereas spousal benefits, the earliest you can get is at 62. Don't forget, an unmarried child of the deceased. So if there's a son running around or a daughter running around who's under the age of uh, 18 or up to the age of 19, but is a full-time student, and your dad got hit by a proverbial bus, you can get benefits up until these ages for you. 
age 18 or older with a disability that began before age 22, again, you can get survivor benefits on your dad's or mom's record if these things are applicable to you. And a widow or widower who has a child, a deceased child, caring for a deceased child, if that child is under 16 or disabled. So again, don't just think this is only applicable to retirees. This is applicable to even younger spouses and their children as well. And that would absolutely be worth trekking on down the Social Security Administration, seeing them face to face, let them run some numbers for you. Because these are numbers that a lot of financial advisors are not going to be privy to. We won't know the specifics when it comes to these types of one-off scenarios. We can get pretty good gauge of just a simple analysis like we just did with Bob and Jane. But when it comes to these caveats, you really need to get the Social Security Administration to run this, the numbers for you. That way you can know for sure what your benefit will be. Um, and, and they talk more about full age of a full retirement age for survivors. We talked about that. You don't want to file early if you think you're going to leave a benefit to your surviving spouse. Now there are caveats for that, but you just want to be careful there. Um, and I think it talks about the, yeah, we talked about divorce. Okay, good. Oh yeah, right here. A divorced, there, surviving divorced spouse right from my big fat base. Um, provided that your marriage lasted 10 years, if you remarry after you reach the age of 60, the remarriage will not affect your ability for survivor benefits. So just be clear, just because you got remarried, as long as it's after the age of 60, it won't be applicable. If you remarry before the age of 60, you won't get survivor benefits. And again, we talk about if you are, even if you're divorced, if you're caring for a disabled child or a, or a child who's under the age of 16, you can still qualify for survivor benefits, even though you are divorced. All right, folks, there's a lot going on here. It's tough to follow this stuff. One website I do like quite a bit is this guy, Social Security Intelligence, a guy named Devin Carroll. Uh, is, is just a plethora of information on Social Security planning. I'm a big, big fan. I subscribe to his YouTube channel. Just ton He's probably a, a competitor in some regard of mine. There's Devin right there. Uh, no one knows more about Social Security than this guy. Uh, maybe Larry Kotlikoff over at Boston University. You can go to his website at Kotlikoff, K-O-T-L-I-K-O-F-F, Kotlikoff.com. Uh, Devin's is SocialSecurityIntelligence.com. Uh, you know, both these guys, you go to Boston College Center for Retirement Research, I believe, Center for Retirement Research at Boston College. Those are three places I go to exclusively when it comes to social security planning. Cause they, they, if there's any, and then of course, ssa.gov, which I'll link to some of the stuff I brought up here today. I'll link it in the show notes below, but those three sources on top of the social security administration website, man, it's just a ton of stuff. And, and you know, with that said, I, I do a lot of social security discussions on my own website here as well. We talk about survivor benefits. We just, you know, I, I probably have uh, a third of my articles on my blog at joshscanlon.com. Uh, by hopefully by the end of this week, it'll be heritagewealthplanning.com. Just trying to get that situated. I do a lot of stuff on my blog as well for it to help you with Social Security. A comment below. I'm telling you, the comments are going to be helpful to me to understand what you're going through, but also for the other readers and uh, viewers of my YouTube channel, because I'm telling you, Social Security is a complex beast. It really, really is. There's no way for any one person to know it all. It's just impossible and if you're just solely relying on the Social Security Administration, I think you could be leaving a lot to be desired there because there are things they're going to know, but other things that, you know, again, they're dealing with thousands of people all the time. So just do your own research. 
comment below and always give me a thumbs up if this is helpful for you. I, I need the thumbs up because it tells YouTube that people are engaged in my content here and it puts it out to a wider berth of people. Um, and subscribe. Subscribe below for sure. And then finally, don't forget to hit the notification bell for not being notified of future content that we do here. All right, guys, look forward to it. Next time we'll talk about other tactics on using Social Security in the most advantageous way for you and your spouse uh, because there's a lot of tactics that you can do. And I won't go into too deep, but we'll do some tried and true ones that I've done with clients in the past. And if, uh, and if you find any questions, thoughts, or concerns, just put them in the notes. Look forward to seeing you next time on the Heritage Wealth Planning YouTube channel. Thanks, guys.